How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Suncast. I have a great interview with you all today. It's interim athletic director and tennis coach for Coastal Georgia, Zach Rogers. He's going to come on with me and I mean, just have a good conversation per usual. It's going to be a fun one. And he's going to be hopping on here in actually just a few minutes. Uh, let y'all know we have been, been in the emails heavy, everything. We are, well, we're here, fall sports are here. I'm going to be giving y'all my top 10 most intriguing matchups heading into the fall. Uh, that's going to be, we thought about doing it this week. Um, since we're, we're getting some more information in every day, we're getting more information in from our great SIDs with the help of coaches and GAs uh, across the league. So we're learning more and more about you know, the upcoming teams. We want to, that's something I want to do. Uh, or at least do a better job of this year is being more prepared and knowing the actual teams and the athletes better. And yeah, we have a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun interviews uh, coming up. Like I, like I said, last episode about to start ramping up uh, the episodes uh, a little bit with me. Uh, it's been a crazy two months, crazy two months up here in Saugerties, New York, but so much fun, a heck of a time, heck of a time. Uh, you know, I came up here to kind of do two things, get my body in, uh, kind of back ready playing football. Y'all remember the back injury, all that good stuff. Back's feeling so much better. It's honestly crazy it is to say, and I, I said no way to this heading into, uh, or just a few months ago, kind of heading into the summer, I was like, What's my body going to feel like heading into the fall? I don't know. Body feels great. I'm excited uh, for football season, obviously, one last time uh, for me to go out and play. And then we'll get better at broadcasting. That's mostly been what I've been doing up here every day, um, either doing play-by-play -play or color uh, on, on the broadcast for the Stallions. Dude, we got – let me tell you all something. We have got some guys up here, and there's one dude in particular – in particular named Andrew Amato. I mean, we're talking about this about to win the triple crown. There's made one. It's crazy how, like, with athletes, you can make one small adjustment and then, boom, it all clicks. He literally, in this video episode, I kind of realized my eyes were, I remember, like, it, the video episode, you can see how I'm going. For, he went, oh, he did. This is his batting stance right here. He had it. He's a lefty. And he had it, you know, about head high, usually. And he had he talked with his coach at Delaware, and his coach at Delaware was like, hey, man, you're hitting 70% ground ball right to the right side. They have the big shift over. You're not hardly able to beat it, really. And all he really did, he went from here to here, dropped it, dropped it down to his shoulders. And ever since, I mean, he mashed the last month at Delaware and up here in New York. I mean, it's over like a 32-game stretch, 32, 33-game stretch. And he's got 13 home runs, batting 430 or 420, something like that, with 39 RBIs. He's in contention for the Triple Crown. Uh, Andrew Amato might actually ha have him on. He's just a funny dude, good baseball guy. Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of one of, the, one of the fun things. Are there any baseball, like, players uh, watching, listening, whatever? Gosh, dude, summer ball so fun. Like, I, obviously, it's something I didn't really know much about until – Till last year, I heard some about it. Um, you know, I remember Colin telling me a little bit about up here in Saugerties. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Daly, Connor Daly over at Southeastern. And, of course, other players talking about summer ball. But, dude, I've had a blast. It's been a heck of a two months, but ready to be back in Florida, um, ready and rock and roll with the fall sports. I think it's going to be a crazy fall. Um, I think uh, Kaiser is prone to have another just insane year or in the same semester, especially with, with fall sports. I think their football team 
you know, Josh, their football team is going to be good. Obviously, Josh is going to handle that, do all that. But that women's soccer team, they're they're losing a couple of key pieces. Um, you know, I think the big question is what who can step up there for Kiki. But yeah, they're still going to be be exceptional. They're be a really good team. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have uh, Matt Dunn on uh, their women's soccer coach on shortly. I'd love to have him on. Uh, no spoilers. Don't like to spoil it, but we're going to have two coaches. First time we're going to do this. We're going to have two coaches on at the same time next week. A little bit, little bit of a teaser, but that's the plan. Uh, two coaches on at the same school. Kind of coach the same sport, but uh, a little teaser there for y'all. But yeah, I'm ready for soccer. <laughs> it's crazy, but I, I'm ready for soccer. I think women's soccer is going, going to be insane in the Sun Conference this year. I think SCAD's going to be right back. SCAD B's, how you doing? Yeah, miss my SCAD B's, man. They're going to be good. Southeastern Fire, they're going to miss that. I was just missed soccer ever since. I, like I got back, I made that drive back from Orange Beach. Um, pretty sure that's where it was at. Yeah, Orange Beach for the yeah uh, for the women's soccer championship up there, and I was just like, dang, I kind of miss being around soccer. And that was a sport I played growing up, and now, uh, you know, obviously not doing that, but it's nice to have soccer back around. I'm I'm ready to rock and roll with it. Obviously, volleyball right here. If volleyball is going to be fun, I'm ready for those Ave St. Thomas matchups again. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a fun summer. I mean, or excuse me, a fun fall. It's been a fun summer up here. I uh, hope all y'all listen. Y'all have had a fun summer kind of gotten to hit the little, you know, a little mental recheck. Um, yeah, it's time to rock and roll on my fellow seniors. Holy cow. This is it. eh? we're, we're out of here. We got what some of y'all one more semester. If you like me, two more semesters. And then it's, uh, I'm pulling the big boy pants, but I've done enough chatting. Let's just go ahead and get into the interview. I'm going to kick it over now to myself and Coastal Georgia tennis coach and interim athletic director, Zach Rogers. Okay, we welcome on a very special guest. It is Zach Rogers, interim athletic director and tennis coach at the Coastal Georgia Mariners. You know, I love my Peach State teams. Zach, how are we doing, boss? Doing great today, man. Glad to be part of this. Hey, absolutely. So, um, you, obviously, with fall sports right here and Coastal Georgia getting ready to ramp things right back up, now really the only Georgia team with, like, full-on sports. You know, uh, it's kind of half and half with SCAD, half and half. Uh, Thomas is left, still have football. And uh, uh, what's the flag football still with Thomas? But Coastal Georgia, yeah, the Georgia team in the Sun Conference, a lot going on in 2023 and 24 for Mariner Athletics. Who are some athletes that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, I mean, our softball team, you know, is is really been killing it here lately. And so we got Bryce Peacock back for next year. I think she's going to have an amazing senior year. Absolutely. I'm really excited to see what that team is going to do. Um, we've got Marcus Reynolds in golf, men's golf. We've got Carlin Paul coming back. Um, both great players. Um, men's basketball, we haven't released that roster yet, but I – I'll give you a little taste. We got a guy, Bryce Langford, came in from a JUCO, uh, led JUCO in rebounds last year, uh, was third in blocks. He's 6'10", around 260, 270. So he's, uh, you know, going to be bringing some size to our basketball. Women's basketball brought in nine transfers. Um, we've got – I mean, I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I mean, they've got a ton of talent coming in. Um, we've got um, women's um, volleyball. Um, Val's done a great job of recruiting. I mean, Paula Perez would be a name that everybody's kind of thinking, Sydney Martin maybe, but we've um, got 
Cassidy Casey, um, Delaney Wilson, Sarah Hansen. Um, she's got a ton of great players coming in. I'm super excited to see what that team's going to do. I think those three teams, I'm expecting them to make big jumps this year. Um, obviously, uh, I coach tennis. We've got on the guy side, we'll have the entire roster back from our team last year who, you know, finished really strong at nationals. Yeah. Have one newcomer coming in, Kevin Lewenberger from Oral Roberts. So anytime you get a D1 transfer, you're always happy. Um, we've got Avery Collins coming in on the girl side, and we'll be looking to bring in uh, one or two more girls over the break. And so I'm um, being pretty careful about that process because I feel like we've got a couple of holes to fill, but we've got a big opportunity on the girl side. So, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. I think all the coaches have done a phenomenal job uh, over the summer of really – making strides to kind of take their programs and in, in the department as a whole, you know, in the right direction and, and taking a step up in, in where we kind of measure up within the conference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that talking with, you know, just other people in the conference and we'll talk about a you lot know, like coastal Georgia, what, how y'all have progressed and continue to progress it. And I remember talking with coach Minnick up at Georgia Gwinnett and the ultimate goal for them is to get, to the World Series, they were just a game away from that. I was there for that just epic game. And that's still that last game that they played against Georgia Gwinnett in the opening round. It's it's still one of the better softball games uh, that that I've ever watched. But I, that's really the team that I've gotten to kind of be immersed around it and hang out with uh, with with Coastal Georgia athletics the the most, obviously. And I love that team. I mean, they're a fun team. They represent uh, the school, the conference very well. But one of my favorite people in the world now is, is Mike Minnick. I had him, I had him on, and it's one, one of the hardest I've laughed uh, during during an interview. I mean, what, what's it like getting to work work with Mike every day? Yeah, I mean, I love Mike. Uh, we've, we've been, you know, coaching here. I've, I've been here for seven years now. And so, um, you know, Mike's another guy, you know, Georgia born and raised. And so he and I, you know, connected well to that, you know, we got Georgia roots. Um, you know, he, uh, he and I cut up a lot. Um, we, uh, we have a good time. He's, you know, he's been in and out of my office probably about 10 times a day. I've been in and out of his probably 10 times a day. And so, uh, we got a good time. We, we cut up a lot. Um, you know, you know, I've been, he and I, when I got the job, we're, two of the only part-time coaches here, you know, but we were also two of the coaches who you could be pretty much guaranteed we're in our office 24 seven, really pushing our teams. And so um, I got a lot of respect for Mike just because of how hard he's worked and um, what he's done with that program. I mean, he has poured everything into it and, and it's been really fun to watch that team grow and, uh, and, you know, Mike, get rewarded for all that work he's putting in. Um, uh, he's got a great group of kids. I mean, they had 10 girls last year with a 4.0 GPA um, for the year, which is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, he's done a great job. I mean, Mike's a lot of fun. We uh, He and I are at every – even when we were just coaches, when I was just a coach, we were at every sporting event. We'd be watching the basketball games, the volleyball. Um, you know, Mike's great because he keeps up with every sport at Coastal Georgia. He knows every athlete. He knows the stats. You know, he'll come up to a coach after the game and bring up a stat that maybe they weren't even aware of. And so uh, I, I think one of the, the great things about Mike is that he just doesn't love softball. He loves all the sports at Coastal Georgia. He's fully invested in all the programs. Um, you know, he, he's been in Brunswick a long time. You know, I mean, he, he, he worked for the school system. He owned businesses here, had restaurants on, on both Jekyll and St. Simons. And so he's a uh, – 
he's a Glen County native and, and, and just loves everything about coastal Georgia and it makes him, it makes it fun to work with him. Uh, I, I would expect nothing. Else. I mean, that's such an awesome answer hearing him, uh, how he invests in the entire athletic department, because I mean, sometimes you'll have coaches about, okay, I'm going to do my thing and I may pop mm-hmm. out, do whatever with a couple of things, but you can tell he's really invested with coastal Georgia athletics mm-hmm. as a whole. And I feel like a big reason uh, for that, other than him just being a great guy, I think that's something that is with the entire athletic department at Coastal Georgia. What is, is, having only eight sports is that part of the benefits, or could you kind of talk about like the benefits of having the eight varsity sports y'all have there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, you know some of the size of the programs based on necessity. Obviously, the one unique thing that we have compared to any other school within the Sun Conference right now is we're a public institution. We're part of the university system of Georgia. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of what we do as far as the size of our programs is, is mandated at the state level, you know, because we fall within anybody from the university of Georgia to Georgia tech to Georgia Southern to middle Georgia state to Dalton state, you know, West Georgia, North Georgia, um, you know, we're all in it together. And, 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 and so, you know, part of it's based on that, just the size of our institution. Um, but I think one thing that I would say, a lot of things probably, maybe not the answer you're looking for, um, you know, when we're just looking at it, 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 our ability to serve the needs of the student athletes and, um, and what we can do for the kids, I think that's a big advantage. You know, I'll be at the AD meetings and we're talking about, you know, maybe one school's got two athletic trainers for a thousand kids, you know, and we've got two athletic trainers for a hundred. And, um, and so for me, I think the biggest advantage of that is just, I think we're able to really focus on the kids on an individual basis. Um, And I think uh, it, the larger schools, if you don't have that staff that's built out to support those numbers, that becomes a challenge, um, you know, and, and with us, I think at Coastal, it can be a really personal experience. With with eight teams, all the kids know all the coaches. All the coaches know all the kids. You know, we're all within Coffin Gym. We've we've all got our offices here, and so I think it makes us accessible, not only to the the the, the student athletes, but the the school and the student body as a whole. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it it gives it more of a family feel to it. Um, you know, um, and, and I think one thing as well is we've got a small staff and so we've got to all pitch in, you know, we've got to all help one another. And I think it, maybe that's a kind of like an unseen advantage that, that you wouldn't maybe think of, but it's a fact that, um, you know, because we only have eight teams and we only have eight coaching staffs. And in some instances, we just have a head coach with no assistant coaches. Like we've got to all pitch in, like I've got to be able to to count on Jesse to help me with things, you know, it might be a thing, you know, just got an email the other day from women's basketball saying like, Hey, we're going to run the concession stand during volleyball games. Mm-hmm. Who's going to cover it during our games and stuff like that. And so I, I think uh, an advantage that you get with a, a limited amount of teams is that everybody's invested in the other team. We all understand that we got to work together to accomplish our goals. And so it creates that team within a team kind of environment. And I think that's super valuable. Yeah. It's like a big family. Yeah. Well, yeah. You got to be careful saying family. I mean, and I would, but it is, it is like a big family and uh, you know, and in the same sense that like, you know, families don't always get along, but at the end of the day, like we, we know we got to work together for what's best for the family in that regard. So yeah, that's, that is a, a, a good metaphor for it.
Yeah. And like you said, y'all are doing it and it's a huge advantage for the student athletes. Like you said, like two athletic trainers for a hundred kids versus a thousand kids. I mean, that numbers don't, the numbers speak for themselves there. And I think that that's something that, that I've noticed with pretty much every team in the Sun Conference, but Coastal Georgia, especially is they do actually care about giving the student athletes the best possible uh, experience uh, that, that, that they can have. Now, for, for you, you're still kind of trying to learn the whole athletic direct, director side, side of it, too. You, you took over uh, right at the turn of the year in mm -hmm. January. What are some of the challenges you faced being an athletic director? And you took over that position right when you were in the middle of, of leading a top 25 tennis team, tennis teams. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it was something I wanted for a long time. I mean, when I when I first got the job at Dalton State, you know, now 10 years ago, um, when I when I got into you know, college athletics, the goal all along was to be an athletic director. So it was something along the way at Dalton State that let me do, I was a game day administrator. And so I was, you know, kind of setting things up. I was there to welcome the teams, the officials, kind of oversee the scores table. Uh, and it allowed my ADs to do fundraising and do those things at our, at our events. And so that was kind of my first taste of administration. And then, you know, coming into coastal Georgia, Dr. Carlton, you know, gave me some roles as well. I did the game day management. Um, and some of the other things. And so it had been something that I felt like I was, it was a goal that had been set a long time ago. And it was something I felt like I was prepping for, but I would say preparing for something. And then like, you know, you find out like, Hey, you know, in 30 days, you're going to be, you know, the interim athletic director. Um, and so this idea of what you thought it was going to be, and then what it becomes on day one, when you kind of have that weight of the whole department um, and, and it's a good weight, but, I mean, I think I immediately felt this responsibility that I had to take care of these coaches and I had to take care of these student athletes. Um, I think one advantage that I did have is, you know, I've been here for seven years now. And so I had been in those conversations with the kids from the different teams about what they felt like they needed to make the experience better, what worked and what didn't work. You know, I was in the coach's office late at night after a game talking about things we wanted to be different or things that we thought we could do better. And, and, and so that was an advantage, but at the same time, it was a challenge because I knew what we needed to do. And, and I've kind of, it was, it was, you know, something, and I, I don't want to say wait again, because again, I felt like, you know, pressure's a privilege. We tell kids that all the time, that pressure's a privilege. And so um, it was one of those situations where I did feel pressure to be, you know, a voice and like a vehicle for positive change within the department. Um, and, and initially, obviously with, with tennis being a spring season, you know, I would say I'm somebody who's very invested in my student athletes. Um, I, I always want them to know that I'm there for them. Any, any need they have isn't too great. You know, I want them always to feel comfortable to come in my office for anything and, and it to be one of those things where, whatever they're facing, we've got to go through together. And so for me, the big struggle was that, um, that I, and, you know, Dr. Carlton says, Zach, you're too invested in your kids. Um, and there was probably some truth to that. You know, the, you know, he, he was a really, really smart guy. And so like, you know, if, if he said it, there was truth to it. And, um, and so for me, there was that challenge that I felt like I was letting my kids down because I could maybe give them all that attention I had before, um, but was super lucky because um, 
you know, I had a lot of returning players and they knew this had been a goal for me. So it was really something when it happened, they all celebrated it. They were really, really happy for me. They were really excited. Um, They knew that I always wanted what was best for them and so that I now wanted it for the rest of the department. And so, um, you know, time management and then living up to my own expectations of what I needed to be in that role. And then I think maybe a fear of, of letting down all those people I knew were counting on me, I think were probably the biggest challenges and probably still the challenges even now is just that, you know, you want to make the most of the opportunity. How big were like your leaders for the tennis team this past year? Uh, when you took over, you took over the job and they obviously realized, like you said, they obviously knew that this was something you've been wanting to do. It's huge for your career. How big were they stepping up and being like, you, you know, coach, this is big for you. We want to, and we want to help you have a weekend. And as far as being leaders to me or maybe younger parts of the team. Yeah. I mean, they do a great job. I mean, I'll, I'll be completely honest with with my kind of coaching style. I'm, my kids are going to come in. We're going to meet. We're going to see the work they put in over the summer. You know, I'm going to see, you know, I'll know the first week of practice, the first week of conditioning, who put in work and who didn't. You can see it's apparent. You know, it's hot here. It's humid. Yeah. Very quickly, you see the kids who put in work, you know. And, um, and so I'm going to initially give them an honest assessment of like, hey, if we're going to reach our goals for this year, this is what you need to focus on. And, and so, um, you know, tennis is a team sport, but an individual sport at the same time. And even though I'm allowed to be on the court, ultimately, really, tennis comes down to decision making, you know. And, right. and, and so a lot of my coaching styles really based on working through like the thought process. How am I prepping the day before a match, the week before a match? What am I doing in my spare time? What am I thinking about when I made this shot, when I missed this shot? How am I processing that? And so, um I really focus as a coach or really trying to prepare these kids to operate with a level of autonomy, because I feel like at the end of the day, we're trying to, you know, prep student athletes to go out in the world and be leaders and they've got to be confident to make those own decisions. And so I felt like in that regard, they were already kind of empowered to lead. Um, I mean, you know, we make it clear in tennis, you know, whether you're a line one or you're a line six, it's all worth, you know, a point. Right. You know, so there's, they they all have equal value on the team. It's, you know, like it's there's no less pressure winning at six than, than there is at line one. And so they understand that responsibility. Um, I, I think what they showed more than anything was maturity because I had to trust that I might be walking by at 245 to get practice started and say, like, hey, I've got to go to the cabinet meeting or, hey, I've got to go meet with this person. This is what we need to be working on. Um, and, and just having that trust that they were going to put the work in and it didn't work every day. There were days I'd come by an hour and a half later, unfortunately, because I had to be in meetings and two or three of the guys were gone, you know, and, and in those cases as a coach, you're not always surprised. I mean, you know, you know who your people are, who are working, you know, those people who are working when nobody's watching, you know, right. the, the, those ones you can count on the ones who are at practice early, the ones who are at practice at late, the ones who are in the weight room, mm-hmm. you know, you, you kind of know that, but yeah, I mean, I had, um, I really felt like on both teams, we had everybody just really kind of stepped up. Um, there's a level of personal accountability within our program. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, I mean, there were some initial struggles. There were some initial struggles because, I mean, our practices every day usually start up. We're doing our warm-ups and I'm walking the court. We'll be practicing both teams at the same time. And 
you know, the first 30 minutes of practice is me just going court to court, asking each player how their day's going. How's your day going? What can I help you with? What do we need to work on? You know, how you feeling? You know, what's your body telling you? Like, you know, just getting a feel of where they are because I feel like in tennis especially, you can see all those things play out and how they might play in a given day, whether it's their patience, their lack of patience, their body language, their level of intensity. So, um, you know, yeah, but I mean, I I have to make that quick decision. Like, all right, who are we going, who are we going to put where and like, if they're like body language or whatever it is, you got to make that, the adjustment, you know, that's kind of into my next question for you, Zach, with, with tennis, that's obviously one of the – there are sports that uh, cover in the conference I know well, and then there are sports that are kind of like, okay, I'm just going to try, try to get the scores, try to uh, understand it. It's a big reason why I want to uh, have you on, Zach. Could you kind of just take, take take me through some of the little things in tennis that when you're, you know, maybe watching a player warm up or watching someone and you see an adjustment that they need to make, could you, like, give, give me an example, like the little things in tennis that the average fan doesn't notice? My own personal view of tennis is that it's really about space management, spatial awareness, and geometry. Tennis is a game all about angles. Um, You know, and essentially what you're trying to do is open the court up. You know, you're trying to get your opponent off the court to open up a shot, get yourself an opportunity to move forward into the court. Court positioning in tennis is super important. You know, you'll have, if you're three feet behind the baseline, it's really hard to be an attacking player because it's hard to find those angles to open up the court. Um, Generally, your ball is going to land shorter in the court. Um, So, you know, you look at the court from three different positions. You know, if you're a step inside the baseline, you're in an offensive position. You're in a position where you can really step forward and attack. Um, You know, if you're, you know, it's kind of like being in a football. Sorry. It's kind of like being in, you know, football. If you, you know, you get four or five yards on first down, you can open up the whole playbook, you know. And so, like a, a step in is step inside the baseline's that offense position, like right on the baseline, a step behind. That's really neutral. You know, you could be offensive there, but you're really still more in a preparation setup phase. And then, if you're two steps behind the baseline, three steps behind, you're really in a defensive position where it's really hard to attack because realistically, in that position, if I attack from deep in the court cross court, I've then opened up a short ball down the line. You know, and so for me, it's 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 you know I always tell my players angles create angles. So if you're going to play angles, make sure you're finishing the point off because you know the angle you give your opponent's going to come back even sharper, you know, than your shot. Um, yeah. I think another thing that people don't think about are, are the various grips in tennis. And so uh, way back in the day when people played with wooden rackets, the game was strictly played with a continental grip. Continental grip is still going to be something you're going to use on your volley, slice backhand, your serve, your overhead. Right. Um, you know, and but then for a forehand, you know, you might use an Eastern forehand grip, um, which is what Roger Federer used to return with. Or nowadays, most players are going to use a semi-Western grip. And and what this changes is the contact point in the ideal height of the ball. So a continental grip is going to be a shot, you know, below the knee, you know, definitely below the waist. It's a tough shot to put topspin on the ball. An Eastern, you know, forehand grip is going to be more from like mid-thigh to, you know, just up into your abdominal region. A semi-Western grip could be anywhere from the abs, really all the way up to here. And then Rafael Nadal, for instance, everybody knows that name. He uses a full Western. And so that's why he's making contact way up here and way out in front. And so that's one of those things that that people, you know, an average person just watching a match might not notice. And, you know, as coaches, we're looking at those things because we know if somebody's got a full Western grip, they're going to really struggle with a low ball because that grip's yeah. not really made to hit a ball below their waist. Well, unless they're um, in a golf. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, right, as well, you know, and so like a lot of people would, you know, they'd be like, oh, you know, that they'd hear him say like, oh, they're going to attack Roger Federer's one-handed backhand, you know, and they thought, well, does he not have a great backhand? What's well, not that, it's just Rafael Nadal per se. He hits a ball with huge heavy topspin. So based on the grip, a high heavy ball to the backhand, just mechanically, it's challenging, you know. And, right. and so, you know, as coaches, that's one of the things we're looking at. We're looking at core positioning. We're looking at the grip of a player. There's, you know, tall guys don't like to get low, you know. So you're thinking keep the ball low, slice, jam the body, take away that leverage. You know, you're hitting body serves as opposed to trying to move them out wider to create leverage. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot more that maybe – sorry, that was Minnick right there walking by. He was poking in. We're, we're, we're going to – Go by in a little while to check on on the, on the dorm rooms for his players. He's got coming in here pretty soon. But um, yeah. So I mean, I think um, there's definitely a lot more to tennis than than I think the average viewer would think. But there's really a lot more to every sport. I mean, the intricacies of every sport are really amazing when you talk to coaches and you hear all the things that goes into what they're thinking. You're like, wow, you know, I, I, that that always seemed pretty simple. But there's a lot more to it than I realize. So. You know, something else that. First off, I mean, I just feel like I, I learned more about tennis in the last about three minutes than I have in my last 22, almost 23 year, years now. I, that, that's I, I didn't think about like the, the angles and like the hand positioning and, and all that. I'm going to have to go back. And I'm just going to be YouTubing. I'm going to go get up. We're on, I'm going to get done with this. I'm just going to get on YouTube and just be typing up diff, different grips and be like, well, that's what Zach was talking about right there. I'll be darned. But uh, yeah, I mean, t- tennis is electric. I mean, we were watching, and now me and some of my guys up here in New York, we're just sports nerds, and we got actually watching Roger Fre- Federer highlights the the other day, and I was, it was actually like right before I text Jay, it was like, uh, you know, hey, who would be good to have on, and he he talked talk with you, but you know, something else that I, I I've realized too, and I started noticing a good bit this past spring, the NAI with tennis. It seems like it is as an elite as far as comparing it to your NCAA Division One and Division Two institutions with is it any sport. And uh, I mean, baseball's the one. Obviously, I fly. I'll fly that flag. Uh, NAI baseball is right up there with lower D one and high and high D two. I mean, I'm especially th- this summer. I mean, this summer, Zach, I've been up here broadcasting summer league baseball. I mean, guys from. D1, JUCO, D3, and then there's Weber guys up here putting up better numbers. I mean, we have uh, some of our – a couple of our pitchers up here striking out guys that are at, like, Ole Miss. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, that, that's – I'll have to stop, Zach, because if we – if I get on this whole NAI versus the world thing, it's going to be a whole tangent. Yeah. But my, my question to you to, to reel this sucker in, uh, how does NAI tennis co- compare in a competition – was two year higher division two versus uh in division ones. Yeah, I mean I I um I think NAI tennis is as strong as any division in the country. I mean if you look for instance Kaiser, yep. you know, who definitely is hands down the strongest program and what yeah. is the strongest conference in NAI, hands down the NAI in the NAI, the Sun Conference, both men and women's tennis, you yes, can't sir. touch the I mean we had three teams in the quarterfinals, you know. Um, well, I'm, you know, on both sides, actually. Yeah, yeah, both sides. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, like, it, 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 it's just, it's amazing the level of tennis we have in the Sun Conference. You look at Kaiser two years ago, they beat all five of the top five D2 schools, at least four of the five for a fact, the number one, two, three team for a fact, um, you know, and yeah. didn't win our national title and, and you know, finished exactly. second. Yeah. So, like, 
Kaiser realistically two years ago was the number one team in D2 was the number two team in the NAI. And, and so I think when you look at the D2 NAI um, at the, at least at the elite level, we're just as, just as good. And I really think honestly, when you work your way through the top 25, I think you're going to see pretty equal levels of play there. Um, the D1 level, obviously, um, at that point, it becomes more of an arms race. I think when you look at individual players, there's no doubt that there's a ton of players at the NAI level who belong on, if they wanted to be there, on 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 major D1 rosters. I mean, you know, my team alone next year, I'm going to have between men's and women's, I'm going to have a, a player who was at Weber State. I'm going to have one who was at New Mexico State. I'm going to have one who was at Oral Roberts. You know, we've got a ton of D2 players. Um, and, and they always get here the first year and they're like, Ooh, wow. Like this yeah. was not what I was expecting. You know, um, I had the exact, for instance, same, exact same reaction. So yeah. I transfer, I've, I've told this a, a few times on here, but I transferred from a D2 to Weber NAI. And I'm thinking, I don't really know what NAI is. It's like, uh, no slight to D3, but I thought it was like more of a division three right. uh, kind of speed. And I got there and about halfway through my first pa- practice, I was like, huh, this is, this is pretty, it's a pretty good football. And then like, I was like, and then eventually everything else happens. I noticed all the, 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 the other sports. And, and like you just said, I mean, Kaiser, I remember at the beginning of the, of the, not summer of the spring semester, it was like late January. And I see they beat like number one team, Barry. Yeah. And I was like, Oh wow, that's pretty cool. And then um, I see that they, I think it was like number three, St. Leo. They play a few days later and they throttled them. And right. I was like, holy yeah. cow, this is a, this is a little, little bit uh, different of a ball game. But I, I'm sure you, you've seen plenty, plenty of good players down there at West Palm Beach and you know Gwinnett and uh, Lakeland, obviously, and all over the Sun Conference with tennis players. Uh, Zach, who was and uh, this is one I just kind of had pop in my brain here. Uh, Definitely should should pressure for this one, but who are a couple of players that you've seen not not Coastal Georgia, but that you've seen in the Sun Conference play that you're like this is one of the better tennis players that that I, I've seen over the last seven years, or maybe one just from the last yes year or two because I know that that, that that's that's one. Of those that's a loaded that, question. I mean, like you could literally yeah. pull any guy out of Kaiser's lineup, and they're all yeah. absolutely absolutely amazing i mean they're just all of those guys are phenomenal um i mean sin sin kiss i I always am you know he was the number one at kaiser a couple years ago look i'm always i'm a little bit biased because he's a tjc guy tyler junior college and uh, i'm a tjc guy tyler junior college and so you know when he came over but i mean he was the number one player in, in the nai for a couple of years i mean just absolutely phenomenal player. Um, and he's a perfect example. He's a kid who could have played anywhere in the country. You could have put him on any, the number one ranked D1 team in the country. There would have been a place there for him. There would have been. And, and honestly, it, w- it would have just varied on what their playing style was as to where he fell within the lineup. Um, he was absolutely phenomenal. But, I mean, they, you know, um, they've got a ton of guys. I mean, Southeastern these last couple of years, the teams they built, have have not only been phenomenal players, they've been phenomenal kids. Um, Scads had some amazing players on the on the women's side. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's 
it's honestly hard to pick out a, a single player. Um, because you look at these, I mean, the one great thing about tennis is there's so many conversations based in the matches as you're watching them as doubles matches end and is singles and the time between. And so um you you end up having these conversations with the kids off the court as well from all the different teams. And so you build these relationships. And so as I work through my head thinking about you know, these, these, these kids who have a lasting impact, a lot of times it's not always based on how they played, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, um, you know, you see her last year on, um, on, on Kaiser's team again, not to just keep throwing out Kaiser, like always just really enjoyed his game, just a beautiful game, beautiful playing style, such an intelligent player. Um, no, I get it too. Cause yeah. I, we're doing here in a couple a uh, couple episodes. I'm doing my top ten most intriguing fall matchups, and I kind of got. I was like, oh, there's Kaiser. Oh, there, there's another Kaiser team. Oh, Kaiser. I not. I I get they 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 have a good athletic department and their, their tennis team over there. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were talking. We're talking about the really the only team that their their men's and women's teams for tennis. That's really the only team they can go, and I can confidently say, put them up against any D two. Just go yeah. ahead, and it, it doesn't matter. There's a there's a couple other. I mean, you know, southeastern baseball. You throw, I feel like you throw them right. up there, but that's a again, we'll go down a whole nother uh, rabbit hole. But Zach, there, there's a guy that you've mentioned a, a couple times on here, a, a Dr. Carlton, mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like he's been big as with you uh, getting getting to uh, being the athletic director and stuff. What's on the Dr. Carlton's? Uh, said with you to you that stuck with you uh, throughout being at Coastal Georgia and as you take that into being the athletic director for the Mariners? I mean, when I think of Dr. Carlton, um, you know, I mean, he was a colonel in the Army, uh, was worked for West Point, you know, worked in the Pentagon. Um, Wow. You know, he's, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Wow. And, and, and so um, I think more than anything that he said to me, it was just knowing who he was um, and knowing that any decision that he made, whether it was something you liked or even you agreed with or you felt like, you know, maybe you wanted flexibility. You knew anything he did, anything he said was going to be an ethical decision. Um, you, you knew anything he was going to do was based on the rules, what was the right thing to do. Um, and, and, and so honestly, um, you know, he was organized. He was a guru with spreadsheets. He was a logistics guy. He, you know, he had a PhD in logistics from Georgia tech. Um, and, and so he was organized. He, he had phenomenal time management skills. Um, and, you know, and, I think one of the big things I I took from Dr. C was just his consistency because there's so much value in being consistent because, um, you know, not only does it let people know what to expect from you, um, you know, but it just, it yields consistent results. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when, when, when I look at Dr. Carlton, I just, I look at like his integrity and his character um and you know just you know not to get too cheesy or sappy but just kind of the way the guy lived his life I mean like he obviously made it he believed in service um and 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 I just have a lot of respect for that and so um you know as I as 
I've moved in this position I've always wanted to be respectful of the the investment and the commitment he had to this place and known that it meant so much to him. Yeah. I mean, that that's awesome. I think everybody, when you take the a position of being an athletic director, it's uh, and you talked about at the beginning, the the pressure uh, that you have to to do what you have to do as the role of an athletic director it it carries just so so much weight in fact you had someone like dr carlton to kind of show show you uh and, and like have a, a mentor like that and be like hey it's about the consistency you can't just do a good thing here and then just whatever and that's something that that i i had to realize uh with you know life in general too it's like you can go and you can go and put in some great work out on the foot on the field or i could go and i can make some good content have a good 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 podcast or whatever okay now what now what what happens next not like not to have a so what mentality but it's like all right you've done this so what keep moving on now you have to you have to just keep chopping. It's like the uh, way uh, – who was the coach? It was some assistant coach for the University of Georgia, obviously big Bulldog fans. I'm going to watch whatever Georgia stuff I, I can get my hands on, I'm going to watch. And that's something they talk about. It's like you have to look at – the when you go into a season or life in general, you have to look at it like a forest. You don't know how many tree, trees are there. You don't know how, how much fire you're going to need for the winter. Just keep chopping. You gotta, gotta keep chopping, keep chopping. That that is a Kirk Kirby smart thing. I keep chopping. You gotta keep chopping. But uh, you know, Zach, Zach, this has been great. I, this, I, I feel like you and I we could sit here for probably the next hour and a half. And this just be be the be be a, a two episodes of part one and part two. I've had a great time, genuinely. But Zach, I do have uh, one last question question for you. Okay. You've taken over. You're the new interim. Uh, athletic director um i i think mariner athletics is in great hands just from this talk but what's the future what are what's your plans and you know obviously not I'm asking you to give on right, here's the blueprint i right. everything but like what are your plans for mariner athletics say over the next five years or so yeah, i mean we definitely want to see the program grow and we want to see it grow from a standpoint of programs. I mean, we, you know, we've circled baseball, we've circled soccer. I mean, I think esports is a no brainer. And then you've got other ones that, you know, you know, where there's still that thought of, 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 you know, flag football across, but I mean, we're, we're definitely looking to grow the program. I mean, we're, we're building a new softball field right now as we speak. Um, you know, we, we've got some things going on that we're working on. Um, you know, but then within the department itself, I think we're, we're really trying to grow in the sense that we want to be focused on student athletes. You know, the president used the term student athlete centric, you know, and if you're at Coastal Georgia for any amount of time, you're going to hear the saying every student every time. And that's really something that our college is built upon this idea that, you know, talking about the consistency we just mentioned that, you know, consistently we're going to be focused on every student every time, every decision we make, every action we make. You know, everything we're doing on this campus is going to be based on every student every time. And so I think as we're growing the department, it's really trying to change that culture. And it's not to say that we haven't always been focused on students. But what I'm really trying to do is is really turn this into a culture that's about what can we do for these kids? What, how can we maximize their experience at Coastal Georgia? Like how can we turn Coastal Georgia into a destination school where you know, just who we are and what we do 
speaks for itself and that's how we recruit. You know, it's not this big pitch about what we say we might do. It's by what we've done and who we are and how we carry ourselves that speaks for itself. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's an exciting time at Coastal Georgia. We're growing. Um, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I am too, man. Zach, again, uh, I'm obviously the, the work that I've done with Coastal Georgia Athletics, I have a lot of high praise for the athletic department, uh, being able to work, like I said, with softball uh, and being able to cover other sports more remotely. A little bit of a drive from Babson Park to Brunswick, but right. uh, being able to cover y'all has been truly a pleasure, and I'm really looking forward to it. I think y'all are in great, great hands. Really excited to co- cover volleyball here in the fall and then get rocking and rolling with cross country also. And, and I'll be I'll be seeing I might we might have to do, do this again, man. I might have to have you back on when Tennessee yeah, to. back around. Yeah, really appreciate you letting me be a part of this. Uh appreciate what you're doing for the for the league, for the Sun Conference. And yeah, just happy to be a part of it. Really, really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Of course, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. Zach Rogers, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Hope you all enjoyed the interview. We're going to be right back next week. I'm heading back to Florida. So hopefully some in-person interviews uh, coming up very shortly and we're ready to rock and roll with the fall. Y'all have an excellent, excellent weekend, ladies and gentlemen.